I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens between it. Even when you have puberty moments. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Your that voice. always makes my, my eyes go, what? <laughs> we went to Gallifrey One. We did. It was kind of awesome. Yeah, we, we had a vacation. We had a real vacation, and it was so nice to just be like adults doing adult things. Even if it is for a kid's show. We were adults doing adult <laughs> things. There were a lot of adults. There were. There for... Uh, supposed children's show. Yeah. Yeah. Although there are a lot of questions that this past season was not very child-friendly. So, to clarify, the season of Doctor Who, if anyone is not actually, you know, a fan of the television show, that is what Gallifrey One is. It's a Doctor Who convention. We get so used to listening to our fanish podcast that we're just like, we just jump into this topic and assume that everyone knows what it is, because that's what everybody on our other podcast does. So we've been planning this since last, I think it was May when the tickets went on sale. Yes, but we've been planning it before that because after the convention ended last year, I decided that I should get us some tickets for your birthday. My birthday is in the spring and so getting tickets that go on sale in the spring would be an appropriate right, birthday Right, but this present. was still February when, when that was happening. And I thought, well, I'm going to get those. And at that time, they were supposed to go on sale like close to your birthday, but th that didn't happen. We had been planning on a long, long while before for like months before the tickets actually went on sale because this was something that we've been listening to these Doctor Who podcasts and we've been fans of Doctor Who. You've been a fan since shortly after you and I met. And I was a fan since way before we ever met. Yes. So you were probably listening to podcasts before that. I was. And, and I did, I've only listened to podcasts for a few years because I wasn't... The whole technical thing, it, it's, it's my... You know, I can say it's my age group. They they tend to be less tech-oriented, but there's plenty of people in my age group and older who can get tech-oriented. They typically are more engineering-friendly type brain processing folks. Yeah. So I've been listening to the podcast about conventions and such for a while. And then I went back and listened to interviews from lots of different conventions from some of my favorite Doctor Who podcasts and listened to interviews of the different folks and, and uh, found that to be fun. I thought, hey, wait a second. We could take a vacation and go to one of those. We totally could. We could go to a convention. If we could actually arrange the details of a vacation, which, you know, if anyone has been listening for any length of time, the, the childcare situation can be a bit of a struggle when we leave town figuring out who will be caring for our mammalian responsibilities in our absence. <laughs> yes. There are a few people who do that quite willingly, even though I wouldn't say anybody's jumping at the chance to watch <laughs> our children. But the vacation, the, the weekend of the con was going to be the weekend that our kids were supposed to be at their other parents' houses. Mm -hmm. So we were only going to need childcare for like Thursday morning and Friday morning to get them to school. And then the Thursday and the Friday nights and on into the following weekend, they would be with... That factor that the tickets have to go, that they go on sale so much ahead of the con gave me the idea that we'll have enough time to 
get enough backup and keep it in place. And thankfully we did, because it did come up at the very last minute that one of the kids' parents was unavailable. Yes. So we did fly out there on a Wednesday afternoon. We both took Wednesday off of work so that we could be available to, you know, get things ready, because otherwise that's just not going to happen again with the busy... Yeah, we had to get things ready at the house and pack our bags and then get on a plane and go there. So we flew there Wednesday night, and about a week before that, there had been a posting on their webpage that their uh, ops person and their programming person. I think it's the programming guy who does the website. I think Sean does the website, but I could be wrong. But so, Somebody Robbie, posted something. Yeah, Robbie needed volunteers. More hands on deck to get things set up. And it is a completely volunteer-run con, which yes. makes it really like, I've heard it called, the largest Whovian family reunion. Mm-hmm. Because it is completely volunteer. It's not commercialized like Comic-Con and Wizard con and all the rest. So I sent you the copy of it in the email and said, hey, I think we can do that. And I was just getting ready to send you a copy and say, hey, I think we can do that. So we did. And we that was nice did. to, to so, get over there early and help set up and get to meet some people and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's totally your speed because it's only like 20 or 30 people in any given room doing any given thing, as opposed to the thousands that would be there later. You were able to sort of get to know some people and I was able to make some connections and be helpful and it was fun. Mm -hmm. And so we got there on Thursday morning and we were like helping unload a truck. And then while we were while we were doing this process, we I did have some interesting experiences that, as a trans guy, caught my attention. Tell me. Well, I think probably other guys think this, but when you get somewhere to do something, like unload a truck, and you're a guy, you wonder, like, how do I fit in? How do I fit in? Or, you know, the cultural part of it, or because usually guys unloading trucks are kind of macho, but fortunately we were just with a bunch of geeks, which was very comfortable. Yes. These were not the big unloady truck guys. These were the geeky people who wanted to help out. Yeah. Who are like, here's a cart. What do I put on it? <laughs> it was great. Yeah. So that was good. That was easy. But, but I do, I wonder that like how I fit in and typically at any given point during my day, especially doing something different like that, I wonder how do I stand out or not stand out as a trans guy? And what does that mean to the people around me and then to me as a result? So we're unloading this truck and I think a lot of guys typically do just jump in and get bossy, but there were no geeky people really doing that. No. And usually you can stand there a minute and figure out what's going on and and the culture of the interaction and then adapt to it. At least I I can do that. And there was a lot of people standing back. That was the culture of of it. Like, like, okay, I'm standing here to make see what the culture is. (laughs) Yeah, there were a lot of people who were watching and waiting to see what happens. Yeah. And But, But as a trans guy, that's typically how I am. And as an introvert, that's typically how I am. Right. And I think the girls actually jumped in a lot more because, again, it was the geeky girls who are not stereotypically feminine. A lot of girls who were not gender normative and had non-gender normative interests. And so they were also non-gender normative in their ways of interacting with a situation that needed assistance. Yes. And so they were just jumping in and picking up big things and moving stuff around. Yeah, they're like, okay, we're doing a thing. So let's do the thing. Yes. They're good at, like, here's the task and we're doing that. It was great. Yeah. And didn't, was that when you tried to help someone? Well, one of the things that did happen that doesn't happen when you're a dyke is 
Another guy that was there did end up kind of hanging around talking to me because I think he was semi-wary about just talking to women and feeling, making them feel uncomfortable or himself. I don't know. Because you can't talk to random women as a guy in our culture unless you're hitting on them or you already know them or your wife is standing there talking with you. I right. mean, these are the, the typical Yes. situations. Yes, because in our, in our culture with the gender interactions of heteronormative risk, it, it can come off creepy to women who are very familiar with or potentially have been victims of that gendered risk. So this rather tall friend of mine, new friend, was hanging out talking to me because he could talk to another guy and that's not a problem in our cultures. Mm-hmm. I ended up hanging out with him a, a bit mm-hmm. and we were wheeling carts back and forth. And at that point, wheeling like a cart that would have more stuff on it. So you'd need a guy at each end to right. make sure nobody was in the way and going to get smacked with whatever you were wheeling. And Was this your Danish friend? or was Yeah, that, that was a Danish friend. Oh, yeah. He talked to the Verities and they tried to talk him into having a Danish Doctor Who podcast. I heard that on their on their podcast. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was like, hey, hey, that's my Danish friend. So um, I didn't realize there were no other podcast over there because, you know, I wasn't thinking about that. But yeah, and he didn't talk to me about that. We talked about a lot of other things. So we're wheeling this cart back and forth. And as we're coming back with an empty cart, there is a woman going the other way with a load on her cart. And we are we've sort of gotten in the way and made her off track with her cart. Mm-hmm. And so I go to help her because we've done that. That's you know, my fault. Here, let me help. Yes. But, but you know, I didn't say something out loud. Would you ever? If I knew better, yes. <laughs> I would have said, hey, sorry about that. Let me help you get back on track. That might have been helpful. But I didn't say, I said, oh, sorry, and, and went over to like, as we're getting out of the way, get, help her get back on track, which seemed to me the polite thing to do. But she got royally pissed at me. I this- think I think this was the girl who does hotel management and event ops as her job. And so she was, part of it was, don't tell me what to do. I do this for a living. And part of it was, oh, this man is going to explain it to me. Yes. I was a man interrupting her. And she says, I know what I'm doing. And I'm like, I didn't think you didn't, but sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't say anything. I was like, oh, okay. And I just got the hell out of the way. (laughs) And that's Kind of the right approach in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I was like, whoa. Because as a dyke... Yeah, she she would have still had that, this is my job and just let me do it mentality, but she wouldn't have She would have been cool about it, like, I got it, it's all good, you guys are not a problem, go ahead. Yeah, but now she's like, okay, now you're making a problem, you're in my way. Yeah, you man are in my way, in a man way, get out. And I was like, whoa, okay. But I can see that because I know the difference of Mm -hmm. what it was like when I wasn't perceived as some guy who was going to get in the way. Now, as we were doing this, other people were showing up. We got there around 8.30 and the truck was about half unloaded by that point. But then there was another guy who showed up who is actually on staff, you know, I would wager that people who didn't know what they were looking at would have just seen a short guy, but you and I would notice the lines of the binder under his shirt and the hips and... the He's probably older than he looks. Yeah. Uh, beard hair. Yes. Yeah. 
And so it was just really nice to see that. And then once we finally got into the actual event space, a woman that I had seen unloading earlier, who I had thought was hotel staff because it was a completely different truck and a completely different situation. There was a, another tall woman who was setting up on the tech side, the sound. Yes, I, did. I saw the tall woman down there and I thought the same thing. I thought, oh, they're unloading all that electrical stuff. But I didn't connect it because they they weren't having us help with that. And that's because they were unloading their electrical stuff. Right. You know? Yeah, that's not a volunteer job. That's a staff job. But because they were in a completely different area and completely not even looking at us, I thought that she was hotel staff at first. Mm -hmm. But then we get into the setup area in the main stage area and she's setting up the electrical and the sound and the equipment. And I'm like, oh, yay, she's ours. Yes. Yay, there's more of us. And then you and I I and and the other short guy. You're not a short guy, but we I, we had short. somewhat of a I can do this better contest, <laughs> which is rather it funny. Was, but was. we were we were unfolding curtains. Folding, you had to unfold them and then fold them in the right direction so they could get hung up. But anyhow, the point was, we did it with some sense of humor that we were doing this, but we were doing it. <laughs> it was very it was very funny. Yes. Yeah. I I kept expecting from this point forward, you know, because at that point when you see. A a few of the family, as it were, to generate that sense of comfort. Like, okay, yeah, not only do I belong here because of fandom, but I belong here because of these handful of other reasons too. Yes. At that point, I start to wonder how much overlap there might be between our listeners and the attendees of the con. And I start sort of biting my tongue about some things that I might have otherwise said that would potentially cause people to recognize us. I didn't think about that at the time, but like what? Like we sort of joked that when we do things together because this other guy was folding curtains on his own and you and I were trying to use teamwork. Yeah. (laughs) And we've mentioned before that like, for example, when I hang up the Christmas lights, at one point we had kind of tried to help each other with that, but it just, no, we're, one of us is going to fall off the roof and no, that's not. Just get out of each other's way now. Right. And you know, there were a handful of other stories that are not coming to mind right now that I almost told by way of making conversation with this other guy. Mm Mm-hmm. But then I was like, no. I, I think you were being overly cautious. If you had said something to me, I, I would have said so. But that's oh, just well. my opinion. And yeah. it, it doesn't matter either way. So. I, I think it also at that point, you're like feeling the connection. And so you're wanting to recognize that connection. But we're all around a bunch of other geeky people. And some of them are more interactive like you. And a lot of them are somewhere between me and you. And uh, uh, There are a lot of people who are marginally on the autism spectrum and marginally different in the way that they interact socially. Because a lot of those people, they they connect with fandom because it's where all the other geeks are, where all the other people whose brains think more like engineering and less like social skills are. A lot of other people whose brains function in a way that connects more strongly with the doctor than with the Kardashians. Right. And so a lot of them, regardless of their introvert, extrovert place, nature, yeah, they, they still are aware of the fact that their social skills are different from a lot of other people's social skills and they need to observe first. I like those people that it was nice. It was comfortable around them. It was. Yeah. The queers and the straights. It was it was because all just a bunch of cool people. You don't find people necessarily in most places take that kind of consideration 
And granted, most of those people have done it for their own comfort and self-preservation, but it does also create that for other people around you, if you're considerate. Right. And so at that point, once we got the curtains hung up on the main stage, you left. That was when you left to go get groceries. And I continued helping Robbie and Leon and a handful of other people with ferrying drinks and snacks and other things for the con suite for the snacks provided for free area. Yeah, you were in the work groove and and I was in the, I need the groceries. I want to make sure the groceries are here. And uh, I should have realized how effing hot it was outside. (laughs) It's LA. It's LA in the middle of winter and it was effing hot. I had short time and Man, <laughs> that's great. It's hot. You get hot too easy at lately anyway. And last year it led to us not doing a lot of hiking. And this year I've decided I'm just going to go hiking without you. You go right ahead. But anyway, yeah. I started getting more carts of stuff that had been taken in from the truck to the staging area and moving it from the staging area up to the suite next to the pool where con attendees can go and just sort of chill and have a drink and have a snack and right there was also one of the um one of the guys from the merch booths who also was a short guy and you were gone by this point but he's in talking to us about some stuff and i'm just sort of standing off on the side but i was wearing my i think i was wearing my gender queer earrings mm-hmm. the ones that our tall friend made me that i commissioned from her Mm -hmm. And so it was sort of one of these, if you know what you're seeing, you will recognize me and you will accept me as family. And a couple people did. Mm -hmm. And this other guy was like, yeah, okay, you know, you're standing with Leon. And so I'm going to talk to you too. Mm-hmm. He comes back in the story later. This guy from the merch booth, we'll talk about him again. But okay. it was nice to recognize, you know, there were like all these people who are family. In and various sorts of ways. In various, you know, I've got cousins here. I've got sisters here. I've got brothers here. I've got, we're all, you know, various tangential parts of this big queer thing mm-hmm. happening at this completely not queer event. Right. So that was great. Yeah. Then that night was the kickoff party and it was just a grand old time. So much fun. Yes. And then you were exhausted and you needed to go to bed, but I stayed for karaoke. You stayed out till like two in the morning. I did stay out till <laughs> two in the morning, which was so effing much fun. I'm glad you had fun. I was exhausted. I had, I woke up after we did, we got there Wednesday night. I couldn't go to sleep. And then Thursday morning, I woke up at five, which if the store would have been open, I would have walked there, but it wasn't going to be open for like four more hours. Mm-hmm. So. It so, did me no good. It would have been a good time to walk to the store because it wouldn't have been as effing hot as it was in the middle of mm-hmm. the day. Anyhow. So by that point, you were exhausted, but I was not. And so I went out and had my extroverted self a happy little time. And I'm standing there next to this kid who, again, I shouldn't say kid, in a fourth doctor costume and with a higher voice, but a very androgynous presentation and introduces themselves. And we're standing around waiting for our turn at karaoke, which we were like like towards the very, very last of the list. Mm-hmm. And I did sing one song at karaoke and I should have handed my phone to this person because later you were like, did you sing? And did you, you know, I, I feel bad that I didn't get to see it. And I had a head cold. I was getting over, you know, it's funny because there's a concept at geek conventions. And I don't know if this happens at other conventions too, but I've heard it called a uh, con crud. I saw that a bunch of people got the germ- con crud. They got germs and got sick. Yes. When you gather that many people all at once, some of them are going to have germs that they have immunities to, but you don't. 
And so it's just sort of understood that after a large convention that you're interacting with a lot of people, there's a high probability that you're going to come home with a germ of some sort. I didn't know that. It's probably a good thing I didn't know that. (laughs) I I hate to say I probably contributed to the con crud because I was just getting over it. But that night I did have a head cold. And you even mentioned that a number of times over that weekend, because of my head cold, my voice was sounding rather unusual. Yes. And so when I was up at karaoke, I was like totally not worried that anyone would recognize my voice because I sounded, I was a total baritone. (laughs) It was great. Wow. So that was so much fun. And then I came back to the hotel room and we stayed up for a few more hours because by that point you had had enough rest to make use of my presence. (laughs) (laughs) And then I fell asleep and you got up and you were wide awake in the morning and I almost got there on time. (laughs) Yes. So... On Friday, you know, we're doing our thing and we're going to see the speakers and going to the panels and so on. And as we're wandering through the dealer room, we bump into that guy who I had talked to. In the con suite. In the con... No, in the main auditorium, the the main hall. Okay. We were attending these things and we're bumping into people that we had seen on Thursday. And then we go out and just sit at LobbyCon for a little while. And you were saying that you noticed that girls would talk to me, but they would not talk... Like if we would approach someone that we had recognized from Thursday, that they would face me while they were talking to us or... Yes, they would. They would they would talk to you. And you were there. I was there. And probably guys would do the same thing if they were coming over to talk to me. But since I'm not like a talky person, it didn't happen enough. I mean, I did talk to our Danish friend a few more times yes. over the weekend. Mm-hmm. He would come over and stand there and talk to me. And you'd come over and talk and he'd stop and listen. And then you'd go and he'd talk again. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that is kind of how it would happen. Yeah. So that was a, a gendered focus thing of, of these women coming over and talking to us by talking to you, which I think has happened over the ages to women a lot from the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Then there was a, a LGBTQ meetup that day. Yes. Which was kind of funny because afterwards there were a handful of queers who I had noticed around who one of them flat out said, look around. We don't need a meetup, do we? And I'm thinking, well, we kind of used to, and a lot of people probably still kind of do. So I felt like it was kind of my responsibility to go because if you're not an extrovert and you're not socially adept, then maybe you do need the meetup to go meet people. Or maybe if you are an extrovert, you want to go talk to everybody, which is why I thought you were going. (laughs) (laughs) But it gives you a chance to meet up in a smaller group and say, oh yes, I did notice you and have a chance to talk to some that you might have saw somewhere else at the con, but didn't have other reasons to talk to them besides that. Right. So the meetup was fun and we got to bump into um, Riley Silverman of the Laughing at Archaeologist podcast, among other things. She's also a comedian and just an all around good person, seems like. She's a lot of fun. And then Michaela of the Web of Queer podcast. Yes. And it was kind of weird that I'm like glomming onto all these podcasty people. And I'm like, I know you. And I I just sort of presented myself as a podcast fangirl. Because again, it was that I don't want to introduce myself as... Well, because we don't do that with our podcast. No, we don't. And, And that's how you do know them and listen to them is from listening to their podcast. Yes. And so I think I told you, you know, I feel a little bit creepy that I'm like, hi, I'm a fan. Yeah. <laughs> 
but that was nice. And then there was a panel for the LGBTQ. And I think we mentioned this in our last episode about how there were a bunch of queer people and they had a panel. But yes. the thing we didn't mention was they scheduled the queer panel for 930 at night. And? What are they afraid that we're going to do that the little kids would not want to be awake for? I think it was a scheduling thing. They just schedule things. I think it was, and a lot of people thought it was, very intentionally placed at the very, very end of the day because there were no other days that had anything quite that late. There was. There was a podcast that was being recorded that you could go to that That, was like 1130 at night. Well, all of these things were the adult-friendly things. The podcast that was being recorded was, and then there was the match game that very specifically said 17 and older only. Mm -hmm. But then there were a handful of other things where, you know, it was pretty clearly adult-oriented content. Okay. And so I found it mildly off-putting that we were considered adult-oriented content and put to the very, very after bedtime end of the day. Hmm. And I don't think I was the only one, but... No, okay. Anyway, it was nice. They gave us a time and they gave us a panel. Yes. And if you didn't want to do the time and the panel, there were a lot of other queers who didn't. But if you did, then there it was for you. And then we went to the Verities meetup and that was fun too. Except we had to run away from it because we had pictures. Sarah Dollard was at the... She was... At the thing. At the... At the queer thing, yeah. Yeah. She sat in on that. Is she queer? I don't know. She was with a woman there. I don't know. She was there with a woman. I don't know if that yeah. was, but she was at the panel. Okay. And that was the smallest panel thing I saw her at, although I saw lots of pictures of her in various cosplay, which was cool. Yeah. And she likes Ace. Lots of people like Ace. Yes. And then there was this discussion on Verity the other day of people who like Ace also tend to like... Donna. Donna. I think. I think that's the way it went. Mm-hmm. But I don't have the statistics right, so I, don't quote me on that. Yeah. The the independent person who does not fit gender norms and does not... In New Who, the gender norm is that one at least takes a passing romantic interest in the Doctor before going about one's storyline. I suppose that's true. And Donna was the one who didn't. No, and I, I listened to an old interview that RFS had gotten from some other person that was an interview of Russell T. Davis and his favorite line. Have you listened to that yet? Because you're not saying... Oh, I, his I favorite listened to it while I was working, and so it didn't all absorb. Oh, well, his favorite line that describes Donna and describes dealing with the doctor is when he says, it's a TARDIS, and she says, a what? And he says, a TARDIS, and she's like, a what? And he says, it's a TARDIS. And she's like, that's not even a proper word. You're just making things up. <laughs> and he, that was his favorite line in that ever in Doctor Who and that's that, he, totally that great. he's written. Oh, of course. Because <laughs> the choice was of what you've written and what you, and overall. Yeah. And uh, he, he loves that because it says it's just exactly how Donna's relationship is with the Doctor and also... She's not going to take any of his nonsense and she's going to call him on any of it that she thinks is nonsense. Which even is... Whether it is or not. Right. <laughs> so... <laughs> So anyway. Yeah, that's great. So that was on Saturday. And the other thing on Saturday was when we bumped back into this one guy who, another short guy who I had bumped into on our first day, who was in the dealer's room. And they had a set of jewelry 
with, and a lot of it was Spanish jewelry, but it also had all these queer jewelries. And it was the first time that I have ever seen on a display card or on a display case, jewelry with the pan flag and the gender queer flag and the ace flag and all the stuff that's not rainbow. No wonder they noticed your earrings. Well, I don't think they actually noticed my earrings. They didn't comment. I mean, yes, they, I'm sure that Wearing my earrings was sort of my in with all the other queers. Like, oh, I see you. Okay, your family. But they had all the other things, which I have actually commissioned jewelry to be made from a friend of mine who has an Etsy store to have my pan pride earrings and my trans pride earrings and my genderqueer pride earrings, which the day that I wore my ace costume, I was wearing a trans pride earring, one of them, Mm -hmm. because the ace costume, you got to have the punk different ears. But anyway, they noticed my I'll go with you badge on my ace jacket Mm -hmm. and said, oh, I love your I'll go with you pin. Did you hear that there was a bathroom incident last night? No. And no, I hadn't. And this guy says, well, you know, somebody had decided to make a fuss about something and there, there was a problem. And it had happened to one of his female friends. So what happened to his friend? So it was reported to this person, Robbie, who we had been working with, the head of ops. And basically, the person who had caused problems got the ban hammer. They were dealt with appropriately. Well, it, it, it's quite clear in all the conference literature that there will be no picking on anybody for any reason. Yeah. No disrespecting each other or disregard for another person in any way whatsoever. And it's great to know that even with the admittedly volunteer, but very professional staff of this conference. You wouldn't know everybody was volunteer. You would they are not very know. Professional. They, they are. They are all very professional about it, even though it is all volunteer. You know, they, they were very clear about the fact that you don't pick on anyone and there will be no gender policing. There will be no bathroom policing. And so, yeah, this person who had caused a problem was dealt with and the trans person was supported completely. Oh, I didn't know about the bathroom incident. It's always the bathrooms. Why? You know, I wondered this the other day. I wondered if, because I thought this when I was young too, anybody, I I don't know how many people ever wonder, why are there two bathrooms? And as a younger person, I eventually came to assume in our culture is because men were dangerous and so you had to keep them out of the women's room. So there's some something along that line still with trans folks and the bathrooms. There's the association of masculinity with owning a penis and masculine people are scary. Yeah. And so we must keep penises out. And I think that's a load of bullshit, but that that I think is the established thinking. Yes, that is established thinking in our culture. And there are plenty of masculine people who are dangerous, and they are more so by far dangerous than women. Statistically so. Statistically so. Yes. But it's still just weird to me that there's this gender bathroomy thing. It is. I guess it's just because I'm a trans person. But I, I was like like that when I was younger, too. I thought, this is kind of weird. So, okay. Yeah, it, it is weird. And I think, you know, there's that campaign of the hashtag, we all just need to pee. And apparently now it's gone from being a bathroom bill to a school's bill that happens here, there, and everywhere now in all the random red states that they decide that they want to make it a school thing instead of a bathroom thing. But it's still about who has a penis and where does it belong. And I'm sorry, but if you're saying that you need to see whether or not someone else has a penis and where do they go pee, they aren't the pervert. Yeah, no kidding, huh? (laughs) 
No <sighs> kidding. Anyway. So the other thing that went down that day on Saturday was the Verity panel, which was also a later in the afternoon, I think. Was it? Was it the panel or the meetup? No, not the meetup. The meetup was midday. Okay. But then they had a panel about dinner time, which was a thing they do called In Defense Of. And they've had some podcasts about that, where the idea is you take an indefensible concept, and for one minute you are expected to defend the indefensible concept. For example, defend the six doctor's garish coat, which everybody is like, oh my gosh, that thing is so ugly, but it's, you know. And so mm-hmm. the idea is to come up with Something- one minute's worth of... Of defense for something, why it's a good coat. Something difficult to defend, and then they give it to you to defend. So what they did at this point was they had everybody write down their topics on a card. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to participate in being a defender of these topics, they weren't going to do it this year. They were going to have their guests do it, and they, as a podcast panel, were going to moderate. Yes. And it was... It seems like perfectly good fun to me. Yeah, it was. It was great fun. And so I thought about putting my name in, but again, it was one of those, I am such an extrovert and I was a performer before I was a teacher and I would love to go up there and it would be so much fun, but I don't want to get recognized. I I think you were being overly cautious, but that's okay. Yeah. If I would have came to that, I would have told you, go ahead. Which, I don't know what I was doing, but... I think you were listening I think I would to somebody go to else talk. Or, or No, uh, you had gone back to the room for... Food. For food and for peace and quiet. Because I brought you food. And you, you did bring me food, and yeah. I appreciated it. So both of my cards got picked, both of my suggestions. And the second one that I had... I didn't realize you had two of them. I did. The first one was... The people who take up the lines in large panels asking special guests questions, but they take forever asking the special guest the question. And they always have more than one. And they always have more than one. (laughs) Defend those people. (laughs) Now, they didn't record that. No, they didn't. I wish they had. Give me an idea of of what kind of general defense somebody had for Somebody had for... uh, The basic idea was, you know, if you're behind that person in line and you're starting to get nervous about talking to your person, you love having that extra time to calm yourself back down and get ready to talk to your guests. (laughs) Of course, expand it out to a minute. But the other one that I put in there, and I wanted to see how this would go down, was defending Lady Cassandra, who is the only canon trans character. She talks about having been a little boy, and she is clearly cast as a villain, although completely unrelated to her trans status, which I think is great, that she is allowed to just be a complex character, and being trans does not make her the villain. Being queer does not make her the bad person. She's and bad you, for all the other reasons. <laughs> if you didn't really listen to it, and you're not a person that is listening for that type of thing, you probably would not notice or completely forget. Yeah, it's kind of a throwaway line when she mentions having been a little boy, but she clearly does some absolutely horrible things in the show. But I said, defend that she's a good person. (laughs) Again, indefensible topic, right? Because she really is a horrible person. So what do they say? I loved that the 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 trans guy Mm -hmm. got to defend that. Okay. And I'm going to say, it made me laugh. This guy's name was Ewan, spelled Welsh. Mm-hmm. And why is it always the, the extra long names and the extra unusual spellings of names? And I think we've mentioned this before, that trans guys often have four and five names, or they have really unusual names. They have at names. least three. 
At least three. And they use all three of them. Oh, they do. I have four. You do have four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have four names. For a long time now. Yeah, you had four names long before you ever transitioned. You you picked all four of them. I, I picked them separately from any decisions at any points in my life about transitioning. You did? Yes. But you picked masculine names even prior to... I did. Those are the ones I identified with. <laughs> Good for you. Yes. <laughs> So the one trans guy who got up there who had some great ideas and was really funny and had basically made it to the final round, as it were, where they brought up the other person who had made it through many rounds. This guy defends Lady Cassandra, and I wondered if he would bring up the fact that she was trans. Mm -hmm. And the first person who defended her did not, not at all, just said, you know, she was trying to, you know, basically put a, they put a positive spin on all the things that the evil things that she had done. Okay. But the the second person said, you know, growing up as a trans person and this person, you know, related to their own experience as a trans person. And I was like, yes, yes, visibility. Thank you. You're awesome. I like you now. (laughs) That's great. And I kind of wanted to talk to him after, but again, it was that I don't want to introduce myself right now. Oh, how unusual to find my wife having a reason to be shy. I know. And conscious of it and then doing it. Because usually you're like, oh, I realized this after. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. And see, there's that. And then there's also these elements in the back of my head. I don't want to be the person who says, hi, I should be your friend because my husband's like you. Or, hi, I'm one of you because I am genderqueer, but then somebody says, oh, that's not trans enough, or that's not real family. And so there's these cultural elements in addition to being the stealth podcaster, where I don't want to come off as the overeager ally. Right. Because we all know that person who, like, is so happy that they're connected to this big queer thing, even though they're they're you know, the ally. Right. And I don't want to come off as that person, but without having the long dialogue of here's why I fit. Right. It, you know, it, it just, it was more work at that point to try and make the connection than not. I'm not sure what else to say about that. There seems like there's some things to say, but mm-hmm. maybe we'll have to expand on that topic in another point, just, right. you know, about visibilities and interactions. Mm-hmm. And- so that was Saturday, Sunday. What happened Sunday? By Sunday, I was tired. And I, I we sent, both were. I sent you for more coffee. I was in the line and I said, bring more coffee. And you did. And, yeah. and then I regretted it. Yeah. I went to go get coffee while you were in the line to get into whatever that morning's thing was. Uh, and Sir John Hurt. Ooh, yes. No wonder there was a line. That's right. Yes. And actually, it was the panel before Sir John Hurt. But if you get into that panel, you can kind of hold your seat. Well, yeah. And you can watch two things from a good seat. So there you go. And so while you were at that panel, I went upstairs and I got coffee. And then I brought you the coffee. And then there were other things going on and you needed a break. And so you went to the pool, which you had been meaning to do all weekend. But there were other interesting things to do and you didn't get there yet. Right. But then what happened when you got to the pool? Well, it wasn't as warm out. So that was definitely part of it. But I had anxiety Caffeine-induced anxiety, and it was quite uncomfortable because I had wanted to take a swim at the very nice pool there and sit outside with my shirt off and get some sun, and it's especially noticeable anxiety after not having a lot of it for a long time. But I had a lot of anxiety about having 
my shirt off and just being in my body as a trans guy. And there were kids in the pool and just every little thing was like an issue because of caffeine-induced anxiety. I'm sorry. But it gets focused on things like the scars on my chest and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I sat outside anyway and and stuff, but I just, I was not comfortable being myself and especially having issues about being my shirtless self. As a trans guy with a whole bunch of people around, including children and somebody else across the way that had a snowball microphone and they were recording something and yes, a bunch of little things. Every little thing. They pile up. So note to self, once you're tired, just rest, don't have more caffeine. (laughs) But then you came and hung out with me some more. And then later on Sunday was when they had the podcasting panel, which there are a lot of Doctor Who podcasts out there. And there are a lot of other geeky fandom interest podcasts out there. I listen to Star Trek podcasts. I listen to Doctor Who podcasts. My fandoms are stuck in the late 90s and early aughts because that's the last time I had time for mass media indulgence. (laughs) And um, also, you listen to news things. I do listen to news things. Yes. Yes. But they had the podcast panel, and one of the first questions was, who has a podcast? And I'm like, mm. everybody else is putting their hands <laughs> because up. I wanna, see representation. We're good. They're, they're going to want to hear about your podcast, and you can't do that and be stealth. So there you go. Right. And so it's like a point, It's like a, a trans issue in and of itself. Uh, you well, know. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing was, the, the reason they were asking was because they kind of wanted to know which direction to take the conversation. If it was all podcasters, then they could talk about what software they're using and how to structure a conversation and that kind of thing. Whereas if they were talking to a bunch of completely not tech savvy or not recording familiar audience, then the conversation would take a distinctly different tone. Right. And so when I saw that there were enough hands around me saying, yes, we all have podcasts, then I was like, okay, I don't need to put my hand up. This discussion will go where I am interested in hearing it go. So So was that interesting? It was. It was really interesting. What kind of things did you learn? I didn't really learn much, but it was really interesting to hear other people's take on the process. Oh, okay. And one of the things that People talking shop. Yeah. Okay. It really was. And it was really cool. And one of the things that interested me that I actually didn't get from the podcast panel, but I got from talking to Michaela from Web of Queer in the elevator after the queer meetup Mm -hmm. was that when they have their panel discussions, everybody records their own end, which is what I thought was going to happen the three times that we had been interviewed was that somebody would want us to record our end and then the audio would get compiled. Okay. Which is how Web of Queer does it. They compile audio from every everybody on their own end. And then you don't have to worry about the connection, you mean? Right. Oh, okay. But they're also all podcasters, so they're all invested in having the software and having the microphones and having the investment of time, energy, and effort to record their own audio and mail it to Michaela, who does the editing. Okay. So... That was fun. And that was, was fun. that was when I texted you and said, I'm, I'm creeping on all the podcasty people and I feel like a creeper. Yeah. And I was like, stop bothering yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and so the very, very last thing of the day, you know, after it's all done and all the people have torn down all the equipment, which I had hoped we would get to be part of the teardown also. But at that point, 
At the closing ceremonies, they're putting out the request for volunteers again to take down all of the stage and curtains and to clean up the con suite and to help with all the teardown. And I'm thinking, oh, we should do that. It'll be nice to hang out with those people again. It'll be nice to be part of making this happen that we were really able to enjoy. And then I look on my phone and I try and check the flight information for our flight the very next morning. And I'm thinking, okay, what time do I have to be up in the morning to catch our flight? How late can we stay and help? And you realize you don't have any emails about our flight. I do not. And the flight that the number that I had in the email was telling me it was going from Frankfurt to somewhere in... Denmark or something. I don't know. The Netherlands or... Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I'm like, that. that's not my flight. I am not... Unfortunately, no. I have not been in Frankfurt for over a decade. No, I, I am not. That's that's wrong. And so instead of staying to help with teardown, we had to run back to the hotel and I had to get on a proper computer. Yes, you had to get on your computer. And look up the information for our flight, which they had changed the flight number. But it was a whole, it was a longer process than we had intended. A lot of times you can fix these things from your phone and it wasn't working. It wasn't working and it wasn't working the first couple things that I tried to figure out on the computer either. So by the time I got it figured out, we were really hungry. Yes. And so we ordered dinner on Grubhub. And we went back over and we figured we would eat dinner at the pool. And have a, I had a drink. And, and you had a drink I and a, I was still fighting a head cold. So I decided it would not be best for me to know, have a drink. I'm thinking that the thing that saved me from getting or being more vulnerable to con crud was... I didn't have any sugar until late in the weekend when I was getting tired. You were avoiding the sugar. You were well, avoiding And I had not had too. any sugar or alcohol for three weeks before that. I'd had very minimal amounts of it because I was trying some anti-inflammation-aimed foods, which do not include sugar. No. <laughs> and so... That is correct. I was still utilizing that food base for most of the weekend mm-hmm. and didn't have a alcoholic beverage until the end anyway. So mm-hmm. it probably helped me because I can get crud real fast. If I had a bunch of sugar or a bunch of alcohol, right. I'd be more vulnerable. My immune system is busy fighting off whatever I just actually purposefully aimed at myself. Yes, well. <laughs> Instead of fighting off whatever else is coming at me. So we did. We got dinner and I figured, you know, if there was still teardown to be done after we ate dinner, we would go and help with it. But by that point, they're all flooding out of the con suite where they were eating after having done the teardown. And then we bump into, you know, some of these people that we had met on Thursday for setup, a lot of the staff and the girl who we had set up the curtains with, who was in charge of the main hall Mm -hmm. and... The person who I had hung out with at karaoke and, you know, a lot of these other people who were like, hey, look, here we are. And I'm like, yay, it's geeks. And that was when I posted on our social media and said, we're a Gallifrey one and it just feels like home. This is so awesome. I love it. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, I quit caring if we got found because we were only going to be there for another hour or so anyway. And the Venn diagram overlap of listeners and con attendees was minimal at best. So, Well, it's too bad we have to aim at safety over enjoyable interactions that get lost because of the need for safety. Yeah. Yeah. So, overall, Geeky Con's positive experience. Yes. Do it again. Yes. We're not going to Galley next year. Not, not as far as we know. 
I don't expect to. And again, it, part of it is just the stress of lining up childcare and arranging time off of work and all these other things. And and the tickets are, were not expensive, but everything else around it is. The uh, actual the flights. The tickets themselves, I wouldn't say they're cheap because... They are, con- they are compared to other... Compared like, to other events, they are inexpensive, but... We are also middle-class people with stable jobs, so for us, they are comparatively inexpensive. For a lot of people who are living paycheck to paycheck, it would mean saving up all year to be able to go, which a lot of people that were there did. Yes, and then the hotel is what's really the most expensive part, I think. It really is. Make friends, couch surf. But getting tickets uh, has come to the point of... They they, they do want to keep it small, but... You know, I wish we could have gone a few years ago when it was still like in the low 1000s of people attending. This year it was almost 4000. Yeah, it got really crowded. So anyway, wrapping up segue, wrapping up segue, nothing coming to mind. Mm. Hopefully we'll get to go to something else. Yeah, you talked about Chicago TARDIS, which would not be a thing to happen this year. But maybe next year. Maybe next year. We'll it, see about it's Chicago also TARDIS. Around it's a, also a Thanksgiving, though. Yeah, so, so mm. that can be an issue with... Small humans. Yeah. Small humans are hard. They are. And one of the people there at the uh, queer meetup thing I was talking to said... You know, I said we had kids, and she said, "Oh, are they here?" And I said, "No." And she says, "Go." Oh. And she had her kids there, and they have children's programming all they day, they most do. days. Yeah. So. So that's that. That's it. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic@gmail.com, at or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening! Care about. Maybe you should move the microphone that way, because my head keeps going that way. Well, then I'm going to stand right here in the way of, because you keep looking at the birds. <laughs> you have to actually point your face. There you go. See, now you're going to go that way more because the microphone went this way. Do, do we sit this way so you can just look out the window? I don't know. I don't know either. See, there you go again. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to deal with me. <laughs> Five years and running. Overeager ally. Right. There's a little woodpecker right there. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. It's a little fuzzy-headed one. Mm-hmm. Now you're looking that way again. <laughs> you keep doing this now. I'm trying to keep my head towards the microphone. Well, you're... <laughs> I love you. <laughs> oh, I think you get more more agitated over it because you think I'm more agitated than I you am. You should see yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really
really not that agitated about it. You should see yourself, though. <laughs> Continue. So, anyhow. There's something in that grate up there. Uh, there has been for a while, and okay. it's concerning, but I haven't gotten up there with the ladder because I have to bring it all the way from the garage uh-huh. up here. Uh-huh. Anyway, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Apologizing to tomorrow, Jess. <laughs> um... We'll have to edit herself out. Yes. Because she got distracted. Yes, I will.